Hey guys, thank you so much for joining the College Age Movement podcast this week. Uh, We've said it before, but I just want to reiterate what we're hoping that this podcast becomes. Uh, Simply put, we want the content that we speak through on Tuesday nights to be available on nights or days other than Tuesday. And we want you, if you've missed a week, to be able to catch up with where we're at. Or if you're interested in coming to College Age Movement and you kind of want to know what we're about, hopefully this is an opportunity for you to, to listen in, hear uh, a message, and, and decide if this is something that you want to come and hang out and be a part of on a regular basis. And so uh, we already posted the Jonah series uh, on SoundCloud and, and through this podcast. And now we're going to be talking uh, about a specific character in the Bible. And standalone sermons are really interesting for me. And, and so often they, they have something to do with a theme or a subject, but but oftentimes for me, what I think about is a specific man or woman in the Bible that I want to talk about and their story and what we can learn and what we can glean from the life that they lived. And this week it wasn't Peter, it wasn't Paul, it wasn't Moses or Abraham or somebody that you might typically think of when you think about these biblical giants or these characters in the Bible. Um, but who I kept having pop into my head was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And the story of Zacchaeus is found in Luke chapter 19. And we're just going to walk through this short, um, about 10 verses, and and hear and listen to what this story talks about, and then pull out some practical points. And so we're going to start in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 2. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. I think it's really good for us to foundationally understand who Zacchaeus was. This idea of being a tax collector, this position that he was in, was not one of esteem. It was actually one that the rest of the Jewish people probably hated. Zacchaeus was considered a traitor because he had placed himself on the side of the Roman government and said, I will collect taxes on your behalf. And they sent uh, centurions and guards to go along with Zacchaeus to, to collect these taxes from the Jewish people. But Zacchaeus could just put something on top if he just saw fit. He could steal, and there wasn't really anything the Jewish people could do because he had these guards, and there was this threat, uh, threatening of punishment, this, this idea that, that Zacchaeus could do whatever he wanted because if he were to resist, there would be physical repercussions because of it. So the rest of the Jewish people did not believe that he was any good. They, they just hated him. And so Zacchaeus was an outcast of his own people, and he had sided with the Roman government. And it was, it's important to understand that he was wealthy at the time when the rest of his people were suffering, that the Roman government was taxing them heavily, they were being persecuted, but yet Zacchaeus, in this time of struggle for 99% of his people, was, was wealthy, and he was thriving because he had decided to do what the Roman government was asking him to do instead of being loyal to his own people. So that gives us a little bit of context about who Zacchaeus is and or who Zacchaeus was, and then the rest of the story will kind of make a little bit more sense. So we're going to jump into the next two verses, verses, verses 3 and 4. It says, He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And the first point that I want to talk about is this, is that his desire defeated his disability. And I understand that being short might not qualify as a disability, but he was a man who was trying to enforce rules. He was a man who was trying to, to set this foundation of terror or fear or um, respect that, that if he was to walk into a home and ask for something, people would give it to him. 
but he was just a little man. And so I'm sure at many, many times this seemed like a disability to Zacchaeus and might have been why he was such a corrupt tax collector, is that he was trying to prove himself. He might have had a little bit of little man syndrome where he was trying to prove that even though he was in a disadvantage when it came to his size, he was an advantage, at an advantage because of what the Roman government was able to give him on a regular basis. But what I really want to focus on is that something was getting in the way of Zacchaeus seeing Jesus, but he wanted so badly to see him that that did not stop him. And I think it's important to point out that that we all have something in our lives that is most likely keeping us from seeing Jesus. It could be our ego, it could be a sin issue, it could be a relationship that we're currently in. There's something that is preventing us from seeing Jesus when we want to see him. And in this, in this story, Zacchaeus, what was preventing him from seeing Jesus was pretty practical. It was his height. But he wanted to experience the Messiah. He wanted to experience this man that everybody was talking to, the soon-coming king. And he wanted to get up into a tree, and so he did so, because he wanted to see Jesus so bad. And I think that it spurs this question within us that, that we have to ask ourselves, is, is my desire to see Jesus powerful enough to defeat whatever it is that is getting in the way? Is my desire to see Jesus powerful enough to to destroy anything that would be getting in my way from doing just that? And, and, And you might be sitting there and you might be thinking about what's going on in your life. What relationship is preventing you from seeing Jesus? What sin issue is preventing you from seeing Jesus? Uh, if your ego is doing it, whatever it may be, like ask yourself that question. Like, do if I want to see Jesus, what is getting in my way, and what am I willing to do to to kill that thing? What am I willing to do to destroy whatever roadblock is getting in my way of seeing Jesus? Because if your desire is truly to see Jesus, nothing should stand in your way. And what I love about Zacchaeus's problems was that he was so aware of them, but that didn't stop him. Like he, it wasn't a surprise to him that he was short. He was been aware of that his entire life. He didn't say, shoot, I'm too short. I guess I just won't see Jesus. Or, hey, I, I know I'm messy. I know I'm broken and I've messed up royally to this point. And I'm sure that he doesn't even want to be seen by me. He didn't let that get in his way. He was aware of him, but he did it anyway. And I think that it's very important that we understand that we are aware of our own sin. I don't think that many of us would be told, hey, you're doing this thing or you're living in this way that is not glorifying to God. And we'd be like, oh my gosh, I did not know that. I was, I was, I'm completely taken aback by the fact that I do that. Like we, we understand our sin just about as well as anybody does. And, and we live in it and we're, we're aware of it, but we like to try to justify it. And I think that it's really, really vital that we understand that if we allow those things to get in our way of seeing Jesus, we are going to be regretting that for the rest of our lives, that we need to make sure that the sin that we're aware of needs to be taken care of so that we can see Jesus for who he is. And that's not to say that Jesus cannot show himself despite our sin, that if we're in sin, Jesus won't show up. But man, from our from our standpoint, from our side of that relationship, we should be doing anything and every, everything that we can to get the sin that we know about in our lives away We should be killing it. We should be getting rid of it. We should be running from it so that we can see Jesus right where we're at today.
The next two verses, verses five and six, say this. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And the next point tonight is this, is the seeker is seen. The seeker is seen. Zacchaeus put himself in a tree to catch a glimpse of Jesus, but Jesus saw him and had way more than a glimpse in store. And I think that that can be such a lesson for us. If we would only be willing to put ourselves in situations where we may be able to catch just a small part of the Creator, He would be willing to give us so, so much more than that. Uh, Last week, I got to spend uh, a whole week in the mountains with high school students. And I was so excited to go up there, um, but I was still like a little bit, a little bit cautious. I knew that I knew that God would show up in big ways for high school students, but for me personally, I was like, man, if I could just like just a little bit of something, Lord, like reignite a fire in a specific area of my life, give me a little bit of energy, do something. And I just went in with not a whole lot of expectations about what Jesus was going to do in my life, and man, Jesus just rocked me. And I think that's really, really amazing how if we would only be willing to put ourselves in situations where God can show up, that we would see so much of who he is. And that can be on a living room floor, that can be up at camp, that can be in a kitchen at a restaurant, like whatever it may be, it doesn't matter where you're at, but like posturing yourself before Jesus and just saying, hey, show up. And I think it's important that we understand that that we not hope that God can somehow reach our expectations but that we would know with certainty that he can absolutely blow them out of the water. And sometimes we don't have high expectations and and we don't have these things that we believe that that God's going to do for us in a specific season of our life. But if we would just put ourselves in, in situations where we're saying like, God, just show up somehow, show up in some way. Like even if it's a little way, God, just would you show up He's going to do that time and time and time again, and he's going to blow our expectations completely out of the water. A word that I love in this set of scripture is the word gladly, gladly, that when Christ calls out to him, Zacchaeus welcomes him him into his home gladly. And I think it's just great and in such a, a simple point that we understand that when Christ calls us to him, we need to do it gladly. I mean, Zacchaeus had every right to be hesitant with Jesus. He, he could have been nervous. He understood who Jesus was, and he understood who he was, and he could have just been incredibly nervous and just completely ran away from the situation. But instead, a broken man saw what an incredible opportunity it was to have the Messiah in his home, this this rabbi who was coming to, to save the Jewish people. And Zacchaeus threw everything that he was to the side and said, no, I know who you are, so I'm going to welcome you into my home gladly. And too often, too often, I think that we're hesitant to respond to the call of God. And some of you might be thinking like, yeah, but Jesus was actually there, so it was easier to immediately respond. Like it was just easier because it would have been awkward if Zacchaeus was like, no, thank you, I'm all set. But that's where we get it wrong way too often. Jesus is still right here. He's still calling us to something better. 
when we when we follow Jesus, we need to understand that we do not worship a dead man that was hung on a tree. We worship a God who is alive and who is active and who is moving in our lives every single day. So when Jesus calls you to something, take him home with you. Take him to that, that calling with you and do it with gladness in your heart. Because if we are those kinds of people, if we are people who, who embrace Jesus and embrace his calling with gladness in our heart, oh, how Jesus is going to show up time and time again and give us more than we could ever have hoped he would. The next verse I want to look at is uh, chapter 19, verse 7. It says, All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. And I hope that people say that about me. We should all hope that that phrase is said about us. Look at them hanging out with the people that, that we wouldn't even think about speaking to. Look at them hanging out with the messy people. Look at them hanging out with the sinners. Look at them hanging out with the broken. My prayer is that the college age movement would be a community of people, the Faith Chapel would be a community of people, the Billings, the followers of Jesus in Billings, Montana, would be a community of people that makes it such a point to hang out with the least of these, to hang out with the most broken, to hang out with the, the worst sinners. Jesus is not meant to just live in our homes. He is meant to live in the hearts of every single person that we know, the ones that we think deserve it and the ones that we think don't. Would that phrase be said about us? Look at them hanging out in the company of sinners. The next point that I want to uh, talk about is this idea of extra grace required. Extra grace required. And I want to look at this point in two different ways. The first way is this, is that you may have heard the term before in reference to someone who's just uh, like hard to get along with, someone that might be annoying, an outcast, an outsider, someone who just, it, it takes extra patience with those people, extra grace required. We need extra, 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 extra patience with them. But we need to be a people who are willing to wrap our arms, who are willing to wrap our arms around those people on a regular basis every single one of the people that are in our lives that we would classify as extra grace required and tell them that they are loved and not just loved by us, not just loved by this community of people, but most importantly, that they're loved by their creator, that Jesus has created them in a very specific way and that he will utilize them right where they're at, not when they become more socially aware, not when they're less awkward, not when they're less annoying, but right where they're at. Jesus can absolutely use them. And the second way that I want to look at this idea of extra grace required is this, is that there are people who from our perspective seem to need more grace because of the depth of their sin. And first of all, Jesus hung out with the biggest EGRs in every town he went to. He hung out with every extra grace required person everywhere he went. That was a point of his ministry. And we should too. That we should look out the heart, look at look at the people who are the hardest to get along with, and look at the people who who sin the most. And we should find unique ways to be in their company and be influencers in their life for Jesus. And secondly, I think it's really important that there is not a soul on this planet that needs more grace than you or I. They just need the same grace that we have already been granted. Don't confuse our ability to forgive with His ability to forgive. 
There's nothing conditional in his grace. It is all-powerful. It is all-encompassing. It is all-forgiving. And the smallest amount of it forgives all sins, period. Just because someone's sin is different than yours does not mean that they need different grace or more grace than you do. They just need the same grace that Jesus provides each one of us on a daily basis. And then verse 8 says this, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. The next point is this, is here and now. The immediacy of Zacchaeus' response is, is just amazing to me. No hesitation And our encounters with Jesus are not supposed to be generic or common. They are supposed to be life-changing. And oh, what a life-changing experience it was for Zacchaeus as he had Jesus in his home. He says, "If, if I cheated anybody of anything with the full realization that he had absolutely done that, he knew what he was saying and he knew what he was offering to give back everything that he had. He was gonna give it all back. He didn't care. He didn't care. He was gonna give it all back because he had met Jesus. He had met the Messiah and no possession that he had gained over the course of his lifetime was worth losing out on a relationship with Jesus. And when we have encounters with Jesus, that are not common, that are, that are not generic. That means that the first time you meet Jesus and the 983rd time he has a conversation with you, it should be life-changing. That maybe you're early on in your faith and you're having these conversations with Jesus and you're like, wow, I, I, I am changing as a human being. And for those of us who have been following Jesus for a long time, I hope that you understand that even if you have a conversation with Jesus every single day, that when Jesus speaks into your life on a Tuesday, or Jesus speaks on your life on a Friday morning, whatever it may be, that you would be a little bit different because you're having a conversation with the creator of the universe. We are to be called. We are to be convicted. We are called to be something right then and there, here and now. When Jesus speaks to us, when Jesus comes into our presence, when Jesus comes to our home, when he comes to our workplace, when he comes to our ministry, would we act here and now? Let's not be hesitant to obey the call of Jesus. And then Luke chapter 19, verses 9 through 10 say this. It says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost And the last point tonight is this, is lost and found. Lost and found. God never, ever stops seeking us. If you are far from him, he is purposefully seeking you in your heart every single moment of every single day. And maybe you feel like you're doing well, but you know you have a couple little areas that you haven't fully surrendered over yet. Well, he's seeking you and those things out as well. And he's intentionally trying to grab those things that you're unwilling to let go of and say, hey, hand those over to me. I've got this. And I promise that I have more for you than you could ever have for yourself. We need to understand that Jesus doesn't just do that in in particular moments, but he does it every single day until we meet him in heaven. That, That Jesus is pursuing our hearts. He is pursuing our minds. He is pursuing every part of us every single day. And we need to be willing to stop 
and hand over the most intimate parts, the largest parts, the smallest parts of who we are to Jesus because what he has for us is so amazing and is so much more than we could ever have for ourselves. And so to end this, I just, I would ask that wherever you're at, that maybe you just take two seconds and and close your eyes and, and listen to this just really, really intentionally. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that, that, that Jesus is seeking you, that he is saving you, that if you have never met Jesus before and you are lost, that Jesus is looking for you. And if you have already found Jesus and you're already in a relationship with Jesus, he is seeking the lost parts of you. There are parts of us that we, that we don't have a handle on, that we haven't given over to Jesus yet, and he wants those parts too. He has come to seek and save the lost. Be found. Be found. Thank you so much for turn, tuning into the College Age Movement podcast. Again, we'll continue to put content on here over the coming weeks and coming months, and we hope that it is... Uh, an influential part of your week. And we would love for you to join us on a Tuesday night if you can make it. We love you. We will talk to you very, very soon.